Good evening. Hello, and welcome to Here's a Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that'll slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a theme, except for the next three months, it's the Summer of Shocks, which is my look at the Piranha franchise, selected Stephen King movies, and this month's movies, selected Alfred Hitchcock movies. Wrapping things up is the 1954 Dial M for Murder, one of the first 3D movies ever made. In fact, a movie Hitchcock didn't want to do until the studio forced him, so he said he would make the best 3D movie ever. I've never seen this version. Uh, I've only ever seen the remake from the 90s, so this will be interesting and indeed this is my first viewing of this thing. Yet another Hitchcock movie based off a play. He really did like to film plays, isn't he? Hmm. With a shiny new gimmick, this had a $1.4 million budget and pulled in $6 million. So, stick on the old school 3D glasses and answer that damn telephone. Starring Grace Kelly, Ray Milland, Robert Cummings, John Williams and Anthony Dawson. Directed by Sir Alfred Hitchcock at the plot, a retired tennis player hires a hitman to kill his cheating wife. However, the plan goes wrong as she kills the hitman. Can her husband cover his tracks or will he be caught out? Find out here. So, the movie opens up on an extreme close-up of an old rotary telephone. A rotary telephone, for my millennial listeners, was a landline telephone with no buttons but a rotary dial in the middle, which you had to turn to make the telephone. Call that is. <clears throat> uh, which was a pain in the fucking arse because if the number was long, it took forever to bloody dial it. Anyway, uh, then we see a badly green screened of the hell news in the 50s, shot of a policeman walking down a street in London, circa 1954. And I have to say, the superimposition of the stuff in this movie is fucking shocking. <clears throat> anyway, the camera goes into a house as we meet a loving couple, Tony Windice, employed by Ray Milland, who I knew from the Weird 63 movie, X, the Man with the X-ray Eyes, and his wife, Margot, played by Grace Kelly, of the other Hitchcock movies she did, To Catch a Thief and Rear Window. Check my archives. She reads in a paper, finding out the Queen Mary ship is arriving that afternoon, on which is her lover, and this was before it was docked in Long Beach, California in 1967, being turned into a hotel and left to rot in dry docks. Anyway, cut to the docks as a superimposed Queen Mary arrives in, I'm guessing, London or Liverpool. The passengers embark, and here we meet Margot's lover, Mark Halliday. Played by Robert Cummings. He's a mystery writer, don't you know? So this should be an, a cinch for him to solve this puzzle. Cut to Margot in his arms, kissing as she's in a scarlet red dress. Hinting at something there, Hitchcock. Hmm. She makes him a drink, telling him she hasn't told her husband about them and the affair they had over a year ago. And for him not to say anything to the husband. Pretty sneaky there, love. Pretty sneaky. She then goes on to say... She thinks her husband has now changed. He is like a new man. Yeah, that's because he knows all about your love and indeed has planned to kill you for a bloody year or six months at least. She adds, she burned all the love letters from him apart from the <clears throat> one. You know, that one. So a steamy one, I'm guessing then. Mm. Continuing, she told him she had it stolen several weeks earlier and indeed was blackmailed for a princely sum of £50. 
which were to be transferred into used £1 notes and to be sent to a PO box in Brixton. When she checked the address, she found out it was actually a shop and not an actual um, house. So she never got her love letter back, but she did get her money back. So, hmm. She says £50 was a small amount of money. Uh, No love. In the 50s, you could have got a car for £106. In today's money, that £50 is now £2,600. So that's a pretty tidy sum there, love. I mean, hmm. Just how rich is she? Is she yet another atomic blonde bored rich socialite that Hitchcock has in every one of his fucking movies for crying out loud. I'm getting bored of these women in Hitchcock movies. Is this Hitchcock's ultimate fetish, the blonde bombshell? I mean, come on Hitch, something fresh and new. He agrees to keep quiet, the lover that is, as Tony arrives home and he makes nice with Mark and Margot as she fusses around making drinks. Tony goes on to say he simply can't go to dinner that night with the two of them as his last minute work to do. So sends him off. Before he does, he invites Mark to a party the next night with the wife gone and indeed the lover out for the night. He calls someone to, to ask about a car, which he saw and look of. Uh, he offers him to buy off the spot, but the seller won't take less than $1,100. Uh, pounds rather. Hmm. So Tony tells him to come over to talk business. With that night, the seller, Captain Swan, played by Anthony Dawson, who I knew from Dr. No. He's the one that Bond shoots in the back. You know, the one that planted the spider in Bond's room, the one that Bond actually killed, the real, real tarantula. Hmm. Yeah, him. Seems Tony knows this man. He's an old school friend. There's a whole boring ass five minutes of the two saying, Say, don't I know you? Yeah, why, yes, I remember you. I remember you from blah, 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 blah. And this goes on for a fucking five minutes and it's boring as shit. Tony then shows the captain an old class photograph. And Hitchcock cameo as he's one of the classmates. More boring small talk later, then Tony boasts it's all his wife's money. He hasn't a shiny penny to his name. So why the fuck's he boasting then? So, uh, this is why he planned to kill his wife, to get her money, and the whole cheating on him is the perfect cover. Wow, can we say vertical watch? Hmm. Tony goes on to explain he hates how his wife wears the pants, so to speak, rather. <clears throat> she forced him to retire from tennis, to become a house husband. Uh, then, one day, he decided to follow her, and that's how he found out about the affair. This was several months earlier. He then goes on to say the boyfriend was then sent back to New York, but he continued to write love letters, of which he all read in secret, of which she burned all but the one, which he stole from her, and then blackmailed her. What a complete arse this guy actually is then. Hmm. The captain then asks why is he telling her all of this. Tony then coldly tells him, because you're going to kill my dear wife for me. Okay then. Tony then wipes everything clean that the captain touched, and then blackmails him into killing his wife. Stunned, the captain listens as Tony tells him in great detail how he wants his wife killed, adding he'll pay the priceless sum of £1,000, £500 up front, and £50 when the deed is done, throwing £100 in cash at him there and then. Tony continues, it must be done the next night. He then goes into great detail as how he wants her killed at 11pm, he must retrieve the spare door key that is hidden under the hallway carpet, then sneak in to hide behind a curtain, when at 11pm Tony will call the house, 
and when she answers, the captain is to kill her while he listens on on the phone, and that is bloody well ice cold. Once the deed is done, he is to trash the flat and leave via the way he came in. Uh, he then goes on to tell the uh, disgraced captain, as it seems this Captain Guy has been leaving debt over London, along with a stringed along woman, and even going as far as killing one slowly over several months to get to her money. Wow. He tells him to place the key back under the carpet and run for his bloody life, adding there's only two keys to the lock on the front door, his key and her key. Tony takes a call from Margot, as he deals with her, the captain scopes the flat, and then agrees to do it. The next night, over pre-drinks, Tony asks Mark if he believes in such a thing as the perfect murder. Mark says, well, yes it does, but it only works on paper, not in real life, as something always goes wrong. With that, they finish the pre-drinks and head out to the party. Tony as for Margot's key, as he claims he has lost his, and when she says no, she's going out for the movies that night, Tony's key magically reappears in his hands, just like that, you know, it's amazing that. Seeing how this might fuck up his entire plan, Tony all but throws a hissy fit until she agrees to stay in. So off the boys go to leave Margot in alone to make some sort of, I don't know, newspaper clippings, how the hell that thing's some sort of boring ass 50s hobby. Tony steals Margot's house keys from her bag in a pretense of looking for change for a taxi. Mark calls for a taxi, blocking Tony's chance to hide the house key under the carpet. He then, however, slyly hides the key while kissing Margot, Margot rather goodbye. Got a good, there's only two keys, one under the carpet and one in Tony's pocket. Because apparently there's a whole big thing about the missing keys and yada yada yada. At 10.55, the captain walks up to the house as Margot is in bed, fast asleep, like a good wife should be, you know, if a good 50 housewife should be asleep by 10 o'clock, hmm. and have your bloody hands tucked in at all times, bloody hell, he sticks in, and finds a key under a cupboard to unlock the door, and he hides behind the curtain, waiting for the telephone call. Tony, however, forgot to wind his watch, and it's 20 minutes slow, so it misses the 11pm call, oh dear oh dear. Finally, at 10 past 11, Tony calls the house, just as the captain was leaving, so now he must rush to hide behind the curtain before Margot sees him. After about 15 hellos, hello, 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 and blah 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 blah, Margot, uh, from Margot rather, the captain finally strikes, wrapping a scarf around her neck, choking her. She struggles, reaches for some scissors, and then plunges them into his back, killing him dead on the spot. On hearing his wife's almost murder over the telephone, he finally talks to Margot as Margot begs for him to come home. Right then. He then tells her to pull herself together, he'll be home shortly, and tells her not to move anything or indeed touch a thing. Or even call the police. Uh, hello love, call the fucking police, you have a perfectly working phone there, or indeed scream, you got fucking lungs, Jesus Christ, it's a 50s, you be a screaming wench. Oh dear, oh dear. She over overacts and runs crying into the bedroom, because of course she did, she's a fucking 50s housewife. Tony then excuses himself from the gentleman's club, heading home, in which Margot is in the bathroom crying again, because it's the 50s. With Margot in pieces in his arms, trying to explain what happened, Tony slyly looks over the situation. He has her house key in hand, trying to figure out how to put it back into her purse, or her bag even. He checks over the body and takes a key from his pocket, while Margot, uh, 
Margaret. Marco, God, is rummaging through her bag looking for her key. Or rather, she's looking for a pill to take something for her awfully sore head. Because her head is very sore, because this whole panicking thing is causing her stress and strain, and it's giving her mighty headache. Dear God. He plants the house key back in her bag, and then gives her a blanket to put over a body. Hello, call the fucking police. Yeah, at least an hour after your wife is stabbed on the back, you finally call the fucking cops. Jesus Christ. By the way, not a drop of blood seen anywhere on the fucking scene. Yeah, bullshit. He gets stabbed in the back. That place is we covered in a big pool of blood. Not one little drop. Tony frightfully partially calls the cops to tell them what has happened. I love the cop. He asked if this was an accident. Why, yes, mate. His wife accidentally stabbed the man in the back with scissors while he was trying to choke her to death with a bloody fucking scarf. I mean, of course it's an accident. Bloody idiots. With that, Tony puts Margot to bed and then searches the flat for the scarf uh, the captain used to choke his wife. He finds it and burns it in the fireplace and then he plants news stockings all around the flats. What in the actual fuck? Couldn't Margot smell this burning silk scarf? And oh, What does that smell, dear? Idiot. Finally, he plants the steamy love letter on the captain. The police show up and take photographs of the one small spot of blood at the crime scene, led by Chief Inspector Hubbard, played by John Williams. No, not the composer, but the actor, who's also in To Catch a Thief and Alfred Hitchcock Presents, the TV show. The next day, one lonely, one lonely cop chases away a group of gawkers because it's now celebrities. Ooh, ah. In the flat, Tony tells Margot uh, which, what he told the police. That the reason why they didn't call was because she thought he called the cops from the gentleman's club and he thought she called from the home, which should have done in the first place, a ditzy bitch. In walks a chief inspector to question Tony as to what happened, and here Tony spins his web of bullshit. That the inspector, so as he listens to this, the inspector checks over the flat. The inspector then starts to quiz Margot, as why, well, of course, she is utterly fucking clueless because she's a 50s housewife, you know. He goes on to tell her this um, criminal guy had several different names and indeed several different addresses all around London. Tony looks over the photograph of the captain that the um, inspector has in his pocket. As Margot says, she has never saw him in his fucking, in her bloody life then. Until, of course, it is pointed out that this captain guy is an old classmate of Tony's as he shows the inspector the photograph on the wall. And indeed his name was Captain Swan and not the name they had on the record, which was Wilson. Anyway, the inspector then gets Margot to reenact her attack. The inspector rightfully points out why did she go around the desk to answer the telephone when she could have actually picked up the telephone without turning her back to the window because she's a dizzy bitch yeah that's a good point actually I mean this whole movie is OTT but it's never finished and I need to see how this bloody Hitchcock twist kicks in because I have a feeling this is going to be one of these lame ass duck fucking twists like the last one was the inspector asks how he got in if the windows were locked and there's no sign of tampering. Tony claims he locked windows and closed the curtains just before leaving Margot all alone. 
He then asks why she didn't call the police. She answers she couldn't ask Tony was on the line. Therefore, she thought he'd call the police. So the inspector asks why she didn't call the, for a doctor. As she says, this guy was dead and it was no point as she looked into his cold, dead eyes. So she has lied to the bloody cop then as she said she never looked at the guy's face. So how the fuck is she looking at his cold, dead eyes? The inspector asks how many keys there are to the lock of the front door. Margot says two, hers and Tony's. So the inspector points out the captain didn't have mud on his shoes, therefore he couldn't have came through the garden as it was raining heavily that day and it would have been covered in mud. So he must have used the key to the front door. So then spins more bullshit about how Margot's handbag was stolen six months earlier and uh, he must have had the uh, the um, key copied. Therefore, I mean, she got the... Oh, what the fuck? Oh, this movie's terrible. Cut this shit here. She lost the bag in Victoria Station and got it back two weeks later. Therefore, he must have made a copy of the key. This explains everything until the inspector points out no keys were found on the captain's body. Therefore, how the fuck did he get in? Tony's wealth thought flawless nothing can go wrong guaranteed plan has failed all because he didn't think to get a key cut and plant it on the captain's dead body because he's a fucking idiot. Inspector demands both he and Margot come down to the station to make an official report. So it's been at least 24 hours and he still haven't made the report yet. Get in. Just then, Mark arrives and here the inspector asks what time Tony called his wife. He says 3 minutes past 11. When it wasn't, it was 20 past 11. Inspector has had enough and demands answers quick smart. So Tony spends more bullshit, stating he forgot his boss's telephone number, so he called home to get Margot to look up in the address book. It was then she was attacked as he overheard everything on the telephone. He didn't call the cops because he was stuck on the line before or some bullshit like that. He then took a taxi and raced straight there. Inspector gets Mark to write down his address and telephone number in his little book for some fucking reason. I mean, I think it's Tony to unlock the garden gate uh, because apparently there's one way out of this place, two ways out of this place. What the fuck? It was a bullshit piece of shit. He then questions Mark as to how long he's in a fair with Margot, and indeed, does Tony know? Mark is stunned, because of course he is. This is a 50s piece of shit. Until Inspector Outright tells him about the steamy love letter that was found in the captain's body. Meanwhile, Margot plays dumb until Hubbard points out that. A uh, love letter has her fingerprints and shit on it because, of course, it does. She then spells absolutely everything that she had an affair last year and the captain was blackmailing her. Mark shows Hubbard uh, the blackmail notes sent to Margot. With that, he all but arrests Margot. Tony comes back in just as Hubbard is outright telling Margot he has no evidence the captain broke in. However, he does have evidence that she was blackmailed by him, and indeed, she lured him there to kill him, which she did by stabbing on the back. Inspector continues, they found the silk stocking in the garden outside, and another hidden in a desk behind the, beside the telephone. Therefore, she couldn't... She could have killed him, rather, and tied the stocking around her own neck to fake her injuries. Tony doesn't stand for this, and calls his lawyer to head over to the police station, as Margot has been arrested for murder. And my god, this story overly complicated unnecessarily. They all head over to the station and cut to Margot facing a judge getting charged with murder and then to be hung two weeks later.
Yes, folks, in the 50s, Britain did have the death sentence. However, it was stopped in 1964. The end, right? Wrong. There's still 30 minutes left in us for some fucking reason. Cut to next morning as Mark is in a taxi heading to Tony to ask what the hell happened. Tony then hands him a letter saying she was to be killed in the morning. God, that was quick. So Mark pleads with him to help him save her life. Mark then spins a story about how Mar Margot is actually innocent all along. Tony then says police wouldn't believe that one. So Mark then outright tells Tony to tell the police how he planned to kill his wife to get revenge after their affair. Mark then points out rightly that Tony planted the letter and the stockings and then called the police. He then points out that Margot had a £90,000 insurance policy on her neck. Actually, on her head rather than on her neck, on her head. Because this is all about £90,000. Yay. <sighs> Tony says, no, as the police won't believe the story. Besides, he would have to go to jail. Mark says, yes, but Margot would be saved. You can rot in jail, you bloody bastard. Tony points out that he has no money. Therefore, he couldn't have paid the captain to kill Margot. Inspector comes over. So Mark hides in the bedroom. Uh, Tony asks him, can he help him? Hubbard then tells him about a bank robbed for £700 and he found, found out Tony had bought a car he wanted for £60. What the fuck is all this garbage about? I mean, feller much. Tony then spends more bullshit as the inspector plants a house key on the floor which he just happens to find there and then. What the fuck? Hitchcock, this is utter garbage. I mean... Why would Tony rob a bank if he's getting his hands on Margot's money when she dies? I mean, God almighty. Wait, so this magical key doesn't even fucking fit the door. Okay, I'm done with this ridiculous filler. Just get the fuck on with it. This is just fucking budget arrest Tony for fucking murder already instead of wasting my bloody well time. But no, the inspector's got to play cat and fucking mouse with Tony because this fucker shall have 25. Fucking minutes to fill! Crying out loud, utter shit. This is the best it's got me my aunt fucking fanny. More crap about Tony spending £100, which Tony says he wanted the dogs. Meanwhile, in the bedroom, Mark finds Tony's briefcase filled with cash. All £1 notes, used of course. Inspector was about to leave after Tony spends more bullshit about losing his briefcase in a taxi until Mark comes out of the bedroom with briefcase in hand. Mark then claims this money was to pay the captain for killing Margot. However, he's dead and Margot's in jail. I mean, what the fuck? Tony then claims that Mark tries to uh, force him into basically spinning the bullshit truth lie, what the fuck it is. Mark then tells the Spectre what he thought actually happened. That the captain let himself in using Tony's key, hid behind the curtain waiting for a telephone call and pounced on Margot to kill her, except he failed miserably as she fought back and killed him. And how very rope, I must say. Inspector doesn't believe this story until they find out his checkbook and bank statement showing he has lifted £50 a week, saving up to pay the captain the assembly price rather of £1,000. Tony then spins out a bullshit story about how when he arrived that night of the murder, he found Margot over the body, rummaging through the pockets, then gave Tony the money to live off as she went to jail. Really, mate? You're actually going to believe this fucking bullshit? 
asked Mark storms off to tell Margot in the hope she'll change the will to cut Tony out. The inspector leaves, but not before switching his raincoat with Tony's. After a quick drink to settle his nerves, Tony then heads out. This gives Mark and Inspector a chance to look for evidence. Hello, unlawful entry. And there's no fucking search warrant, etc, etc. Crying out loud. Once inside, the inspector calls the station to set the trap. Minutes later, Margot is set free and is taken home. However, the key she has doesn't fit the lock, so she has to go around the back to enter via the garden. As once inside, Hubbard pulls out Tony's now empty case, asking if Margot has seen this before. She says no. So Hubbard sends his sergeant to the station of her handbag, uh, planting yet more evidence. Hubbard then tells Margot Tony planned to kill her to get his hands on her £90,000 insurance policy. Hubbard tells Margot he found out about Tony uh, was splashing cash all over London, yet he saw his bank statement the night of the murder. He has no money. So he took the key from Margot's handbag to see if it would fit the lock. It didn't. So the trap is now put in place to trap, well, Tony. Did you get that? Because this movie's fucking confusing for no bloody well reason. Tony turns home, not finding a key in his Mac, realising it's the inspector's Mac. Oh! Hubbard then calls the station to warn her to come over to get Margot's bag. Mark searches the door frame trying to find the last key until Hubbard pulls it un from under the stair uh, the stair carpet in the hallway. Hubbard continues, the captain used uh, the hidden key and then returned it before entering. So the key Tony found on him was his own house key and not the one for the door. He couldn't use the key found on Captain's body was his girlfriend's, therefore Margot was innocent. Now the wait to unleash hell. Tony opens the door and the trap has sprung. He is arrested as Margot is set free because did you catch all that shit? No, I'm not going to go through it all again, so fuck off with that shit. So that was Dial in for Murder, one of Hitchcock's best, I think not. Slow, boring, dull, and this fucker drags. Plus, this thing is just filler after filler after filler. This should never have been recorded. Keep it as a fucking play. I'm going to give this thing a woefully pathetic 2 out of 10. I'm going to get shit for that from the fucking Hitchcock purist, but it's shit! Come back next week for Stephen King Month, which is my look at Carrie, Pit Cemetery, Children Record, and Cat's Eye. That'll be fun. October is House on Haunted Hill. November is Night Off Movies, and December is End of the World Movies. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe, and also leave me a five-star review on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod, and email me movie requests to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other horror podcast of Psycho, House, Hellraiser, Resident Evil, and more. Also my solo podcast of The Stuff, The Thing, Dracula, and many, many more. Also, while you're at it, check out my new podcast, The Schlocky Horror Podcast Show, which is on Anchor. Follow it on Twitter at Schlocky Horror. It's a fortnightly podcast with my co-host Eric as we talk all movies from B to Z. So it's a good podcast, actually, so get in there. Uh, bye, and remember, I watch these bad movies so you don't have to. Also, check every little detail if you're planning to kill your loved one, because you never know, you're going to cock it up. A teddy bye.